Hello everyone, welcome back to the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I am your host, John Kegley, and I'm going to be doing a solo show today to keep giving you guys some content. Today, I'm going to go over a cool article about the mind of Philip Rivers that you can find on sportsillustrated.com. Then I will give you my thoughts on Lamar Jackson almost playing wide receiver for the Chargers. That's right, I said wide receiver. And last but not least, it was a very special running back's birthday a couple of days ago, and I want to pay tribute to the greatest of all time and my childhood hero, LaDainian Tomlinson. So to start things off, we're going to bring up how Lamar Jackson almost became a Chargers wide receiver rather than the future quarterback to replace Phillip Rivers. So in an article posted by Bleacher Report, Lamar Jackson talked about why he didn't want to run the 40-yard dash at the Combine. He elected not to run it, and the reason behind this was because he wanted everyone to look at him as a quarterback prospect. And you're probably thinking, well, of course we think of you as a quarterback prospect. You played quarterback in college, and you did really good at it, and you're being looked at as a future quarterback for some team. But, but... A Chargers scout had other plans. In an interview that Lamar Jackson did for the Baltimore Ravens, the Lounge podcast, he talked about how a Chargers scout came up and asked him about doing the some wide receiver routes. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Russell Westbrook meme, where Russell Westbrook's giving that, that weird face with the lip, like, what, are you serious, are you kidding me, type of look. But Lamar Jackson basically gave him that kind of look and was telling him, like, what? <laughs> like, I, is he trying to be funny? What's going on here? And Lamar Jackson was telling him, like, you know, like, no, I don't recall saying that. I don't remember telling you guys I'd go out for wide receiver. I'm quarterback only. And because of that, he decided I don't want to do the 40-yard dash because if people are going to think that I'm fast enough to be a receiver, they won't want to look at me as a quarterback. So he decided not to go through with the 40-yard dash at the combine due to a Chargers scout asking him to do some wide receiver routes, which kind of makes you wonder what the Chargers had in mind for Lamar Jackson if they were going to draft him. Like, if Derwin James wasn't there, would they have gone with him to try to make him something else, like a hybrid wide receiver and quarterback so that they can do a lot of trick plays or... Were they going to use him at quarterback at all if they had drafted him? And would we still be looking for that future quarterback behind Phillip Rivers when he retires? It just raises a lot of questions. But the great thing about that situation is we don't have to actually worry about those questions because we got Derwin James over Lamar Jackson. And Derwin James is now our future instead of a quarterback slash wide receiver that only a Charger scout would ask to to run wide receiver routes. Next thing we are going to talk about is, I say we, like like there's a bunch of people, but it's really just me talking, but I'm going to include you guys. The next thing we are going to talk about on here is Sports Illustrated did an article called The Mind of Philip Rivers. You can see this on sportsillustrated.com. It's basically an article about Philip Rivers talking about his pre-game routines, his pre-snap routines, what he what he likes about doing these type of things, how he feels about them. And then it, they go over some plays that Rivers had d- throughout the year that they thought would be good for him to break down, if you will. 
So some of the things that Rivers talks about was how the, he actually likes pregame prep where you're watching film and stuff like that. And the guy that was there said that Rivers would not even hesitate to get out of his seat. He was just so focused on studying that game film. And Rivers says that this is really fun for me. It's basically the game before the game. It's something that is fun to do. It's important to do. And if you want to win, you have to do it. And he likes to do it. And part of the things that he likes about it is when he goes into games against other linebackers that also take this part of the game serious, they get to have a chess match, if you will, with their audible. So Rivers will call an audible, and then he'll hear the Mike linebacker doing his substitute, and Rivers will look and see what he did, and then try to make a substitute to that. Just kind of keep audibling and audibling back and forth until that play clock gets down to zero which we all know Rivers is really famous for doing. But Rivers likes that. He says that's probably the most fun part of the game for him is that chess match with the Mike linebacker. Rivers also talks about how they always have a chip block from the running back on a pass rusher. Rivers brought up an example of how Danny Woodhead would chip Elvis Dumerville. And Dumerville was getting upset and he goes, man, can I just get one, please? And Rivers told him, nope, we're going to be chipping you all day. So you can see like that alone is a big part of the Chargers game plan because they have it every game. They'll see Austin Eckler do it. You've seen Danny Woodhead do it. I'm sure Darren Sproles was doing it too. Just give a chip, which is basically just a little push on whoever's pass rushing to make them off balance just a little bit and allows the offensive lineman to catch up to them. But it, it plays a big role in the Chargers offense for getting Rivers more protection. Rivers also talked about how the first step in all of his audibles is to do the offensive line protection because if you don't have a block at the line, it don't matter what the wide receivers are doing because you're not going to get that ball out. So he said he always does that first, and then he checks into seeing what the what to do with the receivers, whether you're going to have to keep what you ha what play you have, whether you're going to audible a couple of routes here or there, or is the defense shuffling around. Like one of the examples he gives was how they have what they call a cover nine, which is basically a, a team going from a cover four and then shifting a bunch of people around and it turns into a cover nine. So just stuff like that has to go through his head. And it makes you wonder how much stuff Phillip Rivers actually knows and then how much the wide receivers know. So whatever all the wide receivers knows combined is what Phillip Rivers knows plus more. So it really makes you wonder how much this guy actually knows in football. And then if he knows all of that, why does he keep throwing an interception when the game's becoming an important clutch situation like against the Chiefs when he threw into double coverage when you needed to keep up with the Chiefs' offensive scoring? Because if you just allow the Chiefs to get one more score and they get a two score lead you're basically in trouble now because now you have to go out of your game plan to try to catch up to them and that's what they want you to do and there's plenty of times where teams have said here throw this short route we'll play zone you complete this five-yard pass we'll let you have it and rivers will go no i'm going to take this double coverage deep pass and see what can happen and he'll throw it to like tyrell williams who doesn't do jump balls at all but yet he'll still throw it over there and someone will jump over Tyrell Williams and intercept the ball. If Rivers has this much knowledge, why is he still making these plays? And a great example of knowing that Rivers has this knowledge is 
they went over some plays like the deep pass to Travis Benjamin against the Cowboys, Keenan Allen's 50-yard reception against the Eagles, and then Rivers had a choice of going over Tyrell Williams' deep touchdown against the Eagles or the interception he threw in the red zone against the Giants, and Rivers chose to talk about that interception against the Giants. He brought up how it was a cover four, and they were sending three wide receivers on the left side deep, and they were sending Tyrell Williams across the field on a crossing route. And Rivers even said after he threw the ball and it was interception, he goes, I should have checked down and threw it to Tyrell Williams. I sh Cam Cameron and Norv Turner had taught him how important it is to check down, that it's okay to do it because you can turn an incompletion into a three-yard gain, a six-yard gain, and then if that receiver breaks just one tackle, you turn that into a 20-yard gain. I, mean, I remember when Keenan Allen caught like maybe a 15-yard pass against the Cowboys and he made like four people miss and he scored a touchdown. You don't need the deep pass every time. You just got to get a receiver to catch the ball. And if you gain four yards of play, you're moving down the field. That's first and ten turns into second and six, and then third and two, and then a first down, and then that just keeps repeating. And there's nothing anybody can do about it unless they send all 11 people up to the line of scrimmage, but then that leaves you a wide-open pass that you've been waiting to throw all game. It's, it's a really good game plan to do, but you have to have the patience for it, and Rivers doesn't seem to have it because he even says... In the article, I should have executed better and just checked down to Tyrell Williams. If you know this, why aren't you doing it? We could probably have been in the playoffs if you made those plays. I know a lot of people are going to say the real reason we're not in the playoffs is because we messed up with kickers, but if Rivers isn't throwing his, all those interceptions he did against the Chiefs this year, that's two wins against the AFC West that turn into the AFC West Championship, and neither of those two games had to do anything with kickers. They had to do with a five-interception performance in L.A. and Rivers throwing more interceptions in Kansas City. You can't blame the kickers completely. I know you're saying, well, if Young Wei Koo just makes that field goal against the Dolphins, we're in the playoffs. Well, I mean, yeah, probably, but if we just win those two games against the Chiefs as well, we're AFC West champs instead of just wild card. And I'm pretty sure we would all love to be AFC West champs more than a wild card because then we get a home playoff game, which means a better chance of advancing to the next round. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that's just how I feel about that situation. The next thing we are going to talk about on here is we're going to play tribute to my favorite NFL player, my childhood hero, the late, the great LaDainian Tomlinson, the 2017 Hall of Fame running back. His birthday was a couple of days ago on June 23rd, so I, I want to say on behalf of everyone on Locked On Chargers podcast, we want to wish the great LT a belated happy birthday. Um, he means a lot to me because my life growing up, I got bullied my whole life. And from 4 years old up to 11 years old, I didn't have a role model. And 12 years old, I got into football. And I remember 2004 opening day, the Chargers played the Texans, and I was like, oh, look at this, a San Diego team in, in football. Okay, let's see what they're like. Maybe I can go watch them one day. And I watched LaDainian Tomlinson just run all over the Texans. And I was like, man, I got to be like that guy. I want to be like him. He's fun to watch. I just got to be like him. And I remember the next day during PE, I absolutely embarrassed myself. 
Because I'm sitting there looking at people like, yeah, I'm about to outrun all of you guys. About to be like LT and outrun y'all. And then 10 steps in to the half mile, I'm exhausted. And I walk the rest of the way. And I'm last place. That day, I asked my mom, can I just start walking home? Can I run home? And she goes, why? And I'm like, I want to be like LT. I want to be able to run like he does. And I can't do that if I can't even run a half mile. She's like, yeah, whatever. Turns out the walk home was like th almost three miles a day, I believe. Which is a lot when you're as out of shape as I was. And it took me six months to run that whole thing. But every day I had the LT jersey on as I was doing it. So I was like, okay, come on. LT can do it. I can do it. LT can do it. I can do it. And I used that a lot. And it turned into the point of helping out the community as well. Because I saw him do it on TV one day before I was leaving for school. He was giving out Thanksgiving Day turkeys to families in need and I was like man I gotta be like him I gotta do that if, if I want to be like him on the field I gotta be like him off the field too that's what my coach always says he says you gotta be a better player off the field than you are on on the field and so I go to school the next day and I started asking teachers if they needed help grading I started helping out the custodians and stuff like that and I remember two days later I helped push a car all the way to the gas station and I had my LT jersey on, and it got a big old oil stain on the bottom of it, which it still has today. But thankfully, it was just one of those Walmart jerseys that has the helmet on the sleeve. I'm sure you guys know which one I'm talking about. From that point on, I literally became a better person just because of LaDainian Tomlinson. I wanted to be a better football player, yes. But after high school, when football was no longer an option, I became a better person every day. And I thank him for that. And just, you think of him as a player I mean let's let's bring up some stuff that makes him a great player <clears throat> we're talking 13,684 rushing yards we're talking 145 touchdowns 31 of which were in one season which is still today the NFL record you're you're talking about throwing touchdown passes too I mean <laughs> he threw more touchdown passes than any other running back in NFL history and he caught the ball as well. He had 4,700 receiving yards in his career with 17 receiving touchdowns. And I remember a bunch of them, like against the Rams, when he caught that pass and then he got hit and he juggled it and he grabbed it with one hand as he was juggling it for the touchdown against the Rams in 06, which is the same game. He did the stiff arm to Adam Archuleta and his helmet came off. Oh man, just that, that image just makes me want to just jump up and cheer right now. But I would have to say my favorite memory of him, of him was the 29th touchdown of the season against the Broncos in 06. Seeing him break that touchdown and then that whole place was going crazy. The players lifted him up on his shoulders. I had that photo. I'm not lying at all. I had that photo as a screensaver everywhere. If you were to go to my high school class and have me log in to my student profile, it was my background photo. If you ever had me type in an essay and I needed a cover photo for it, the cover photo was LT on top of his player's shoulders holding the ball up in the air. Like that, was, that photo was everywhere in high school. It was even the background on my phone. It was on my folders. 
I tried to get it made to a custom made book cover, but they said they only do simple stuff like a butterfly or a giraffe or something. So that one never didn't get to happen, but it was everywhere. That was probably my favorite moment of watching him. But there's so many moments on that field that he did. Like all those times he scored four touchdowns, like against the Bengals in 06 when we were down 28-7. to And he scored four touchdowns in that game, and we ended up winning 49-41. And then the next week he scores four touchdowns again to make us come back from 24-7 to down against the Broncos in Denver to win 35-27. And the Chargers became the first team to ever come back from a 17-point deficit two games in a row. And then when he goes to the Jets, which was a really hard moment for all of us Charger fans, I'm pretty sure it was. He still was putting on a show, like when he juked out the Bills player and scored a touchdown. Going into the playoffs and helping the Jets come back to beat the Colts in the wild card round, and then they advanced to beat the Patriots in New England. And they came up like five points short of going to the Super Bowl that year. Everyone said he had nothing left in the tank, but he proved everybody wrong. He was still an effective player. North Turner just decided he wanted to throw the ball more, which... You can't blame him for it because it was obviously becoming Phillip Rivers' team. They had the weapons to pass the ball. And the Chargers didn't want to give LT a $2 million signing bonus. So they cut him to save the money and moved on from that. I personally didn't like the decision, but there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing any of us can do about it. But in the end, he went into the Hall of Fame as a Charger. A lot of people call LT a sellout. Because he went to go work with the Chargers in L.A. But to him, the Chargers are the Chargers. Whether they're San Diego or L.A., they are the Chargers. And he works with them. So to really call him a sellout, I mean, that's kind of rough. I mean, if he was someone that was born and raised in San Diego, then maybe you could call him a sellout. But he was born in Texas, raised in Texas. He went to University High School in Texas. He went to TCU in Texas. He only came to San Diego as a Charger, and he may have helped the San Diego community out, but to say that he sold out to go to L.A. to be with the Chargers, because he considers himself a Charger for life, you can't really call him a sellout on that. All right, guys, so that'll be it for the show. Um, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Chargers. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. We will be back with you later this week. And go Bolts!